All right, y'all can head to Children's Church if your parents so desire. Um, well, if you will turn in a copy of God's Word to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Um, we're going to take a break from Colossians. Uh, we'll come back to Colossians, Lord willing, uh, after Easter. Uh, this fits chrono- chronologically uh, with uh, the Passion Week that's coming up. Our text finds us about 10 days before uh, Christ's cross, we think, give or take a little bit. So we're, we're heading to the cross Uh, Next week will be Palm Sunday. We'll be talking about uh, Christ coming in as king into Jerusalem. And then, of course, Good Friday when they reject their king. Uh, But it didn't work. He rose from the dead on Easter Sunday. Uh, Praise God for that. So uh, Luke chapter 18. If you're using the Pew Bible, that's on page 1116. Uh, We'll be reading at verse 35. Please stand for the reading of God's word as you're able. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh, so Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, And we pray that by your Spirit, you would cause us to see you all the more clearly through it. We pray for the unction and anointing of your Spirit. We pray these things in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Please be seated. When uh, when Christ showed up on the scene, uh, his ministry and his mission, it was kind of a mystery to a lot of people. Uh, It shouldn't have been, but it was, and even to his disciples. I find great comfort in how many times the disciples were wrong, uh, for certainly it it illustrates my life uh, quite well. Uh, You know, sometimes we're amazed too. Um, They were amazed when Jesus would do amazing things, and and so often we're amazed, unfortunately, uh, when God does what He says He's going to. Um, you know, like when He cares for us, or when He provides for us, or He gets us through a hard season. Have you ever prayed fervently for something and then forgotten to thank God for it? Uh, I have. Um, have you ever prayed for something hard and then it happened and you're just like, wow, I can't believe that happened? Well, apparently we weren't believing in our prayers very much, were we? Um, you know, sometimes it's like our spiritual eyes, our spiritual eyesight has gone out of whack. Our prescription is wrong. You know, there's, there's grease on the lenses. There's, there's, it's like Vaseline, right? You, you can see, but not, not fully. 
And, you know, when our eyesight is messed up, when our prescription is wrong in your glasses, how many people wear glasses or corrective lenses? Yeah, most of us, right? Uh, and so when your prescription is wrong, it messes up everything, doesn't it? It, it can lead to uh, dizziness. Uh, it can lead to, to falling or lack of concentration. It can even lead to behavioral issues. Uh, it's, a, it's a huge problem. And so when our spiritual eyesight, when our prescription gets a lot of whack, um, there are impacts on our life. And thankfully, though, Christ came to give us sight. And He gives it to us in salvation. We return to Him and we come to Him and ask, Oh, Lord, help me to see better. Help me to understand better. Open my ears, open my eyes, that I might see, that I might hear. So part of the mission of the Christ, the Messiah, was foretold long before He came um, indeed, when Jesus shows up on the scene uh, and begins his earthly ministry, you know, he's baptized, uh, he's anointed with the Spirit, he's immediately driven by the Spirit into the wilderness, and he comes back and he begins uh, preaching in the synagogues. And, and in the very beginning of his ministry, we find him in Luke 4 uh, in a synagogue, and he stands up and he reads. Interesting, he stands up for the reading of God's Word. Um, we do that too. Uh, and he takes the scroll of Isaiah and, and, he, and he reads our call to worship. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. And to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now when we read this, when we read me, when we read I, we're, we're of course reading what God's Word says, but we're not talking about me or I, we're talking about Jesus. Jesus was talking about Himself. And so He sits down, and in verse 21 of Luke 4, He says, Today, this Scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Isaiah 61 was about the Messiah. He sits down, and He says, I'm the Messiah. And drops the mic. You could hear a pin drop, or it would have been an uproar. In the passage today, we see that part of the fulfillment of Christ's mission was to bring not just physical sight to the blind, He does that in our text, but also, and more importantly, to bring spiritual sight to those who are spiritually blind, like you and me, apart from His work. Well, Jesus and His disciples are nearing the end of their earthly ministry together. They've left Perea, they've crossed the Jordan River, and are now are entering the great city of Jericho. You've heard of Jericho. It's the same one that you've heard of in the Old Testament. It's the one that was destroyed by the Lord in the, uh, in the book of Joshua. By the way, they have found the evidence of that, uh, that uh, it really did happen, just like the Bible says. Now, we don't need archaeology to tell us that God's Word is true, but it sure is nice when we have confirmation. Uh, Jericho was an important city. It had been rebuilt, um, and Herod had actually expanded and made it even more important. It was actually the capital of one of the three provinces of which Israel was made up of. It was a, a really important economic hub. Uh, it was a, an important municipal, uh, uh, governmental hub. And so this is why we find uh, Zacchaeus in the text immediately following this one uh, as a tax collector uh, doing business with Jesus. And when we read that he's a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector. He was the IRS guy over the, the whole region. He was the chief stealer and thief of all the people's money. It was on the pilgrimage road to Jerusalem. So it wasn't just economically important. It was also physically important geographically because it was on the way to Jerusalem, which was only 12 and a half miles away. Is that Castleberry-ish? It's about that. 
Right, so from here to Castleberry-ish is Jericho to Jerusalem. Jesus and his 12 disciples are followed by many others. They're passing through the town on the pilgrimage route for Passover. Soon they would spend the night in Bethany with Simon the leper. And just a couple days later, Jesus would enter into Jerusalem uh, on a donkey. Well, as the crowds are coming close to this great fortified city, there are a lot of beggars that are outside the city. Now, they would be out there, especially in the time of the pilgrimages like Passover, because there are a lot of pious Jews who are going to worship the Lord. And so it was a great time to ask for alms, to ask for money. And then we find there was one particular beggar who Mark tells us his name was Bartimaeus. That's who we're talking about this, this morning, blind Bartimaeus. Perhaps you've heard of him. But there was something special about this beggar. He wasn't just like all the other beggars who were outside the city gates asking for help financially. See, he was blind. Now, in our world, it's certainly a very difficult thing, I would think, to be born blind, to, to lose your sight. I cannot imagine that. But in that society, it was far worse he had it as about as bad as, he, as you could. He was poor, we know that, because he was a beggar. He was completely dependent upon the alms, the, the charity, the generosity of God's people as they went to Passover. But not only that, he was blind. It's one thing to be poor, another thing to be poor and blind. He would probably have been dependent not just on pilgrims for money, but other beggars to help him to get where the pilgrims were. We know that he was alone. Apparently, he didn't have any relatives, or his relatives had nothing to do with him because they would have been the ones who would have, or who were supposed to, have, according to God's words, to care for him. Perhaps it'd be worse if he had relatives and they had turned their backs on him. But, but geographically, physically, he's 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 also outside the city gates. Now that's a big deal. Outside the city gates were where the outcasts lived. It's where the lepers were required to live. He's completely cut off from society. He's blind. He's poor. He has no one to fend for him. But there's another kind of blindness here as well, and that's spiritual blindness. You know, while most people born into this world are physically sighted, that is, able to see, all are born into this world spiritually blind. What does it mean to be spiritually blind? Well, the first, it means apart from Christ working in our hearts and giving us spiritual eyes to see, we cannot perceive or understand the things of God. We cannot see this world as it actually is. Many of you have told me before you were believers, my, my dad tells me this before he was a Christian, that the Bible just seemed like a bunch of gobbledygook. Or, or at the very least, you just couldn't understand why people got so wound up about this thing. Why do we go and sit for 30 minutes? You know, Sean went for 20 minutes last week, so I get more this week. You know, <laughs> you think I jest. Uh, you know, <laughs> so why do people sit for 30 minutes and, and, and hear some random guy talk about the Bible once a week when, when you should be in bed? I mean, apart from the Lord opening our eyes, we are blind and it doesn't make any sense. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says that the natural person, that is someone who's not a believer, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, 
and they cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Spiritually discerned means that you have the Holy Spirit. Now, now, there's a very dangerous form of blindness, and it is the blindness of everyone who does not know Jesus is being blind and not knowing it. Being blind and not knowing it. There's a fish uh, or type of fish called cave fish. Uh, and the thing about cave fish is that God made them to live in caves where there is no light. And you know what they don't have? They don't have eyes. It's not like they, their eyes don't work. They just don't have them. And they, they live in darkness and they don't know it. They don't know that this thing called sight even exists. And y'all, before the Lord invades our hearts, that defines us. We're blind and we cannot even see our blindness. When we don't have spiritual sight, we don't see the ethical or moral horizon. We don't see the world as it really is. We end up living for ourselves and our own interests our own desires, because that seems to be all that matters. Why does family matter? Why does helping other matter? Why does loving people other matter? Well, it doesn't if you don't know Jesus. It certainly doesn't make any sense. Why would I sacrifice for somebody else? I want what's mine. Thank you very much. And then Jesus comes in, and He opens our eyes that we may see, and He opens our ears that we may hear. So we've just gotten back from a phenomenal once-in-a-lifetime trip with family, and we were flying back on a really long <laughs> flight, and, uh, and they had the you know, screen in front of you, and you could decide what you could look at, wanted to look at, you know, TV and that kind of stuff. But they also had the route that your, your plane was on, and it had a mock cockpit, not the actual cockpit, because that might cause alarm uh, at some points, right? But a, a mock one, and it had the horizon, and it had your airspeed, and it had your altitude, and it had those little do-jobbers that tell you if you're turning or not and tilting one way or the other. You know, apart from the Holy Spirit working in our hearts, we can't see the horizon. Have you heard of this strange phenomenon that if you're flying and you're in a cloud, you can get so discombobulated that you can be upside down and think that you're right side up? Isn't that amazing? I mean, the blood is rushing to your head and, your, and your, uh, your body is pressing against your restraints, and you still think you're right side up? And that's what our life is like when we are spiritually blind. You know, one, one way to know if you're spiritually blind or not would be if you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. Really. If you don't have a clue what I'm talking about, I'm so glad you're here. Praise God. I pray for you to be here. But if you don't know what I'm talking about, then it's likely you don't know the Lord. And you're probably living like the cave fish, blind and not knowing it. Well, there are two types of blindness here, but there's one healer. Uh, so here's blind Bartimaeus, and all of a sudden he hears a crowd. And, and it's different than the trickle of pilgrims. And he wonders what's going on. So he asks someone, and he's told it's Jesus of Nazareth, and he's passing by. Now at some point... He's heard about Jesus of Nazareth. We don't, we don't know how much he knew about Jesus at this point. Um, but it's interesting, the one who is physically blind seems to be able to see spiritually much better than the physically sighted people. He's, he's, he's able, by the Holy Spirit work in his heart, 
to know that something's going on and he needs to move towards Jesus. Do, do you feel that tug? If you feel that tug move towards Jesus, turn to him. Don't, don't ignore that tug. Don't ignore that tug. See, he's going to use two titles of Jesus that are very significant. The first is he's going to say, Son of David. Son of David. Uh, I need a, a random volunteer. Uh, Cole. Cole's here. Okay, so you don't have to get up, Cole. Uh, so if Cole walks in this door and then Jan starts playing Hail to the Chief. Can you give me a few bars of Hail to the Chief? Can you do it? <laughs> Hopefully that'll be the only time you hear that in worship service. Uh, <laughs> and Cole walks in, and he start, uh, Jan starts playing that. We all stand up and say, hey, Mr. President, who are we saying that Cole is? The president, right? When blind Bartimaeus says, son of David, he's saying he's the Messiah. It's like the, the, the trumpet fanfare has busted out, and everybody knows that this guy thinks that Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one, the one who is foretold, who is going to bring Sight to the blind. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The word cry here is a very significant one. It's the same one that describes Jesus crying out on the cross. My God, why have you forsaken me? Put yourselves in, in his shoes. We would feel the same way. Here is the one who is able to make us well, and he is passing by. You're going to speak pretty loud, aren't you? But the crowds aren't having it. They're not having it. They rebuke him. It's the same word, by the way, for what the disciples do earlier in Luke 18 of rebuking the children when they try to get close to Jesus. And Jesus wasn't having any of that. He rebuked them. Now, it's interesting. It's, it's unclear about who these people are who are doing the rebuking. It could be that, you know, blind Bartimaeus, he can't see anyways. It doesn't need to be close to the front. And uh, it could be the people in front of him. They're like, shh, be quiet. We're trying, to, we're trying to pay attention. We're the important ones. Jesus doesn't care about you. Or it could be the disciples, the people who were walking in front of Jesus. Do you want to be the person who brings people to Jesus or someone who pushes people away from Jesus? Do you want to be someone who brings people to Jesus or someone who pushes people away from Jesus? Well, perhaps they feel that Jesus shouldn't be bothered by this filthy beggar who has nothing to offer society anyway. I had a moment yesterday, one of those gut checks. I was at Walmart. Thomas and I were there getting, you know, we got home and there was no food in our house and, uh, except expired milk. And, uh, and so we went to Walmart and we walked through this crowd of, of people over by the meat department and Thomas, I meant to talk to you about it. Uh, the smell of marijuana was overpowering. I was saying, are, are you smoking pot in Walmart? I mean, it, it, was, it was not a whiff. It was not a whiff. And, uh, and I thought of this text. Do I want to be someone who brings people to Jesus? Or just says, man, their lives are a mess. Lord, have mercy on me, please. Are there going to be people who bring people to Jesus or push them away? Well, Bart's pretty, uh, he's pretty desperate here. He isn't stymied. 
Verse 39, he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. The word cry here is a different one than before. It's a, it's a stronger one. It's a, it's a cry of desperation. In fact, it's used often to refer to the guttural cry of an animal. Bart's thinking, here is the only one who can give me sight, and he's leaving. He goes for broke. So at this point, Jesus responds. He commands for Bartimaeus to be brought to him. Now, he isn't carried. He is led. We know that as we read the other versions of this text. The Mark version says that he sprang up. (laughs) Wouldn't you do the same? Jesus is calling. Run to him. Is Jesus calling you? Run to him. The Messiah has called me. I'm running to him. Jesus asks him, hey, what, what would you like me to do for you? Now, think about all the possibilities. Think about all the possibilities here. Here's the Messiah who told Peter in Matthew 17, hey, we got to pay this tax. Go fish, and the first fish you get to is going to have a coin in it. Right? He could have asked for money. Here is the one who fed the 5,000, who fed the 4,000. That was just the men, so it was probably closer to 15 to 20,000. He could have asked for food. But he goes for broke. And he's not afraid to ask for it in front of everybody else. He doesn't slip it on a piece of paper just in case Jesus isn't able to do it. He doesn't whisper it in Jesus' ear, saying, hey, if I could just please get my sight back. He he boldly asks in front of everyone, Lord, let me recover my sight. Now, here is the one who spoke light into existence, Genesis 1. And he is the one who crafted and created the eyeball, which is just incredibly uh, complex. And you can't take away any part of it for it still to work. And here is his Lord. Who, who is Lord referred to? God. Son of David, God. And Jesus recognizing his faith and understanding what's going on says in verse 42, Recover your sight, your faith has made you well. Have you ever thought about what we make of that kind of language? Who... Who got it? Who's the one to be credited here for getting his sight back? Is it, is it blind Bartimaeus who worked up within him enough belief and then bam, his eyes could see? No, of course not. This is um, shorthand language. Uh, faith isn't what saves us, it's Christ. It's, it's the object of our faith. Who's the one that gave him sight? Jesus. I love what one commentator said. Uh, Jesus commends Bart, uh, Bartimaeus for using the faith that he has received as a gift. The Holy Spirit gave him faith. He called out to Jesus for healing, and and Jesus healed him. Praise God. Now, healed he is, and immediately he recovers his sight. There's no waiting period, no Medicaid form to fill out, one, no eye drops to use or trip to the eye doctor. The God of all creation, the one who made all things out of nothing, the Messiah, the Son of David, the Lord, gave him sight by speaking it into existence. But there's more that's going on here, and it's because the word healed in Luke uh, and in Acts, Luke wrote both, in the Greek uh, can mean healed or saved. So literally, literally, verse 42 says, your faith has saved you. Because two things are going on here. He has received physical sight, but he's also received spiritual sight. Now here's, here's what's so cool. Who's the first person that Bartimaeus saw in his entire, well, if he was blind from birth, who's the first person he saw? Jesus, wow. Spiritually and physically, the first person he sees is his Savior. 
This is what happens when Jesus gets hold of us. Suddenly, we're able to see the world for how it is. We begin to grow in understanding of the Word of God. We perceive how things, um, you know, the things we once pursued that defined our lives, our own pursuits, we begin to see them in the light in which they really are. Now, we struggle with that. We like the darkness still. Right? We like living back in that bondage of sin that God has already freed us from. We, the battle between flesh and blood is strong. But the Spirit working in us gives us eyes to see our lives as they really are. Have you received that sight? To those who are spiritually blind, and by that I mean who don't know Jesus. That's what that means, to be spiritually blind. My prayer is that today might be the day of your salvation. That the preaching of the Word by the Spirit, not because of me, God can use a broken, sinful, crooked stick to show the narrow way of Jesus. Right? That God would do that by His Word, by His Spirit, to take off your spiritual blinders. And if you don't think you're blind, then that probably means you don't know the Lord. That's what that means. But to those who have received sight, who have been given the Holy Spirit, who have been saved, sometimes our vision can get clouded, can it? Um, I, I'm beginning, my Doc uh, keeps telling me I'm getting closer to, uh, to needing readers. Uh, I'm pretty old now. And so you'll notice that a lot of times I just walk around with my glasses on top of my head. Uh, let's be real for a second. Sometimes that means my glasses get a little greasy. Can I, can I say that in church? Because my, you know, my hair gets a little greasy. I know that doesn't happen to you. And, and so I put them back down on my face, and it just doesn't look right. They literally look clouded. And sometimes as believers, our, the glasses of our hearts get a little greasy because they've been in the world a little too much. Perhaps we've watched things on TV we shouldn't have. Perhaps the internet is more of a lure to us, an allure, something we like more than we shouldn't. If that's, if that's the case, by the way, come talk to me. I'd love to help you walk through those things. Don't, don't live uh, silently in those things. Or perhaps you're just bitter at the world. Perhaps you legitimately hate somebody. Um, you know, the great quote, bitterness is the pill that you take thinking it'll kill the other person. Uh, you know, there are ways in which the eyes of our hearts can get clouded. We're running in darkness. Don't, don't, don't live there. I've lived there. I know you have too at times. And it's a terrible place to be. And Jesus loves you. And he came to give you light. And he came to help you to see better. And so if you're in a time of darkness and running, then, then stop running. And do business with Jesus. He says, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. He doesn't say, come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, and I will scold you and tell you I told you so, and you're going to have to sit in time out for a little while, and I don't want anything to do with you. That's how we act. He says, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. There are different reactions to what happens here. Uh, Bartimaeus what does he do? He glorifies God, right? He, 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 just, he has a new family. He goes from being unaccepted and, and poverty-stricken. He goes from not having anyone in the world to help him. He goes from being rebuked, potentially, by the religious leaders of Jesus, you know, the disciples, to, to now having sight and giving God praise for it. That's what happens when we come to the Lord. It causes us to praise God. But then he follows Jesus 
I love this. He glorifies God, and then he follows Jesus. Now, we don't know this for sure, but it's probable, you know, Jesus doesn't have a whole lot of time left on earth, and it's probable that he followed Jesus on his journey to Jerusalem. Was he standing there next to John at the cross? I don't know. I don't know. But he followed Jesus. When Jesus gives us new eyes, he calls us to glorify God and to follow him, to become lifelong learners who spiritually walk with Jesus. But it wasn't just for him. When God answers prayer, when he does great things in our lives, it's not just for us, it's for other people around us too. It's for the people of God and the crowd they praise God too. The people that have probably known him all their lives. Man, praise God. I can go apologize to him for how I've treated him all my life, but praise God, he's got sight. Well, let's land this plane. Um, in this life, we see by faith. Uh, we see by faith in this life. Uh, but one day, uh, I'll see. Um, it is well with my soul. Uh, and Lord hastes the day um, when faith shall become sight. Oh, hasten that day, Lord Jesus. I yearn for that day. See, Bartimaeus got to see Jesus. And one day, we will too. So we pray, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. Oh, Father, we thank you for the sight that you have given us. Uh, Lord, not because we deserved it, because of your love and grace and mercy. Father, for those who don't know you, for those who are spiritually blind, open their eyes that they may see. In the name of Jesus, amen.